this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard sourdough crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Hello, welcome to A Slice of Cheese, the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. You've bought your special cheeses for Christmas. Now what should you drink with them? It turns out that more than red wine goes with cheese. We talked to Hero Hirsch, Head of Retail at Paxton Whitfield, Sam Wilkin, Cheese Guru and Content Creator, and Whiskey Expert Rachel McCormack to get their recommendations. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard sourdough crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. Very happy to have with me today Hira Hirsch, Head of Retail of Paxton and Whitfield, the sort of renowned and venerable cheesemongers. Good morning, Hero. Morning, Jenny. How are you? Very good. And we're excellent. This week, yeah, this week we're thinking about what to drink with cheese. Um, but basically thinking in that sort of context that Christmas is coming up and, you know, and it is a time of year when I do get in, I buy extra bottles and... and brunch out into dessert wines and I do get some port in mm-hmm. and I you know I think from, that seems like a very sort of Christmassy combination port and cheese and I what, what are your your thoughts about port I, I said port but actually they're different types of ports aren't they so perhaps we should start with that there are yes I mean we sell port at, at Paxton and Whitfield and yes certainly Christmas is the time when we see the most people um, sort of reigniting their interest in port, I suppose, whether that's a Christmas thing or a winter thing, I'm not sure, but definitely we, we see that uh, trend. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are different types of port. So I guess the principal two different types of port, there's those which are aged in wood and those which are aged in the bottle. Um, so there's ruby port, which are fairly sort of young, straightforward ports, not aged for particularly long. Um, you can also get late bottled vintage, which is um, a more aged version of a ruby port. Um, but I think the principal two that I um, deal with most are tawny ports and vintage ports. And these, I think, are the most exciting for cheese pairing as well. Mm. So tawny ports will have been aged in wood. So it will have been aged in wood casks for... 10 years, 20, sometimes 40 years. Gosh. And what that does to the flavour. So it, it has an effect on the colour, which is hence why it's called tawny. So it'll be a sort of much more brownish, kind of coppery colour than the kind of vibrant reds that we associate with vintage. Mm-hmm. Um, and that time in wood where a small amount of oxygen is allowed to get to the wine, it will develop quite sort of walnutty, quite raisiny. Um, 
sort of dried fruit and toffee notes to it. Um, it's almost like having Christmas pudding, I guess, in some <laughs> ways. Yes. Um, and then on the other side, on the flip side of the coin, we have vintage ports. So vintage ports will have spent an incredibly long time actually aging in the bottle. So rather than having that oxygen reaching the wine, as we do with Tawny, it's, um, there's much less oxygen um, mm -hmm. able to get through the cork of the bottle. So it will be aged for decades, sometimes vintage port. Most of mm. them will show at their best around 20 years after bottling. So they'll be sat in the bottle on their sides for 20 years before they're considered ready to drink. Wow. Um, these will be a much darker, sort of more vibrant red colour and flavour-wise will have much more fresh fruit to them. So sort of quite full, rich red fruit rather than mm. kind of the dried fruit that we get with tawny. Oh, so yeah, those are the two kind of principal types that I deal with in terms of port. And how, what cheeses then, and you know, do you, how do you see them pairing well with cheese? Should we start with one and talk us through, perhaps, I don't know, start with, perhaps start with tawny and tell me what you think it would go well with, what types sure. of cheese? Well, actually, I think in terms of tawny port, that's probably the most versatile port that I oh. can, uh, that I would suggest for, for mixed styles of cheese. Right. So I've paired tawny very well with, um, with aged goat. So, so sort of ah. goats that start off fresh, but then you dry them out a bit. So mm -hmm. they're kind of Valencay and Salsa share style. Once they're aged on a bit and they get a bit nutty, they're really, really good with tawny port. Um, equally hard sheeps. So things like Manchego, Pecorinos, Berkswell, it's very good mm. with tawny. Um, if you want something fresh with your tawny port, a triple cream is an amazing combination because a triple cream cheese, you've got this full butter, like sort of 80% butter fat or something <laughs> in a triple cream cheese. So it's almost like having a sort of super, super creamy, buttery um, mouthful of, well, cream. Yes. Um, but then pairing that with the dried fruit aromas in, in a tawny port, it's, a, it's just a wonderful combination. That sounds really useful, doesn't it? So, so it crosses, comes across lots of, it works well with different types of, different cheese types. Definitely then. the most versatile, yeah. Um, cheddars work well with tawny. Ah. My favourite combination with a tawny port is an alpine style, so a Comte or a Gruyere, because with Comte and Gruyere you have these sort of harmonious notes of nuts and toffee that you find mm. in the tawny port, so I think that's a really satisfying match. It is actually the thing when you're pairing, is it? Because are you know are you looking for two things that are similar or are you looking for one that is different you know it's that interesting thing of you know which point of view do you come from it so it sounds like that last pair you said definitely. they sound very complimentary yes, yes yeah exactly. you sort of have these overlapping descriptors that um in in both the the cheese and the wine yeah which uh, suggest that it's going to be a harmonious match i suppose Lovely. and of course blue we can't not mention blue with port because that's the go-to. That's, you know, what everyone knows. It's like you put the port with it, Stilton. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, there are very few blue cheeses out there that won't work well with any style of port, to be honest. So um, I always try and encourage people to think beyond blue cheese, though. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's a really interesting point because I think, you know, people, I think people can get very nervous, you know, about whether they're getting, you know, are they doing the right pairing? But in a way, it is very much... 
if you enjoy it and you like it, then it's then yeah. it's right, isn't it? Um, but I suppose you know if you bring it out for for friends or it's the end of a meal, you want to make sure that it it makes sense in some way. I suppose I can sort of see why it is an anxious, slightly anxious thing. <laughs> There's no risk putting a blue cheese with port. I would say that. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, that's really good. In fact, I was, I was going to ask you, so the vintage ports, which, so you, so in a way, perhaps, do they work with a narrower range of cheeses then? I would say they still work with quite a lot of cheeses. I wouldn't necessarily put them with all of those styles. I wouldn't necessarily put a vintage with a goat's cheese, for example. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a triple cream, I would have to try it beforehand. I would be <laughs> hesitant just to make sure that it's exactly the right triple cream and exactly the right vintage port. Yeah. But certainly the, the match of a vintage port with a blue cheese, I think, is just unbeatable. Um, right. So, so definitely they, they make really, really good matches, but maybe for a slightly smaller group and of cheeses, that, perhaps. Uh, you know, and that sort of vintage port with blue cheese, does it work? You know, they're different styles of blue, aren't they? And they're different milks. Are they, you know, like, would it, does a vintage work really beautifully, I don't know, with a rock for... Um, you know, do you do you see? Do you come across that as well? This this whole you know that more nuanced thing within the world of blue cheeses. Or do some are there, do some partnerships leap to mind for you? Um, I would say within blue cheeses, the most of it works. Um, right. I, I I'm sure that there will be examples of things that don't work as well. So if you have a very, you know, sort of tart kind of juicy Stilton style, perhaps that might not work as well. Um, but those sort of lovely aged, broken down Stiltons, where they're sort of full of salt and savoury notes, mm. are, are, are great. And when you get new, so a lot of your work here must involve, you know, there are new cheeses being made, aren't there, by makers in Britain and other countries. Um, so presumably you, then you have to sort of, you sort of think, like I was thinking of Pevensey Blue here, actually. So mm -hmm. would you then, you know, in the shop, do you then try it to see what it goes with? So then you've got knowledge that you can share with your customers about oh, you know, this would be lovely with, you know, a tawny or with a, with vintage. Absolutely. I mean, I actually, I, I'm rather, <laughs> rather organised on this. I have a spreadsheet. So every Aha. time I try <laughs> a cheese and a wine together, or if I do a tasting for, you know, for, for some journalists or for, for an event, I'll always make notes. So right. I have a, a spreadsheet with many tabs. So sweet wine, fortified wine, they all have their own tab. Excellent. And then every cheese that I've ever successfully paired them with is on there. And I, I was actually having a look, look through it ahead of this. Um, mm -hmm. So we, you know, I, and I do that and I ha have it publicly available to anyone at Paxton and Whitfield who wants to, um, wants to get some guidance on how to put things together without, you know, ordering a cheese in or opening a bottle. Yeah. Uh, they can quite quickly make a recommendation based on what, oh, on, on, on group yes. experience yeah. of, of that. So we do have that available. But yes, you know, it's a, it's a very <laughs> important part of our job to make sure that we're keeping up to date with yes. the new things on the counter and how they uh, interact with our, with our current range or, or with what people are drinking. And we shouldn't move on beyond Paul because, you know, in a way, we, it's such an iconic pairing. I wanted to start there. But, but let's move on to other sort of, you know, fortified wines, dessert wines. Are there some sort of dream, you know, have you got recommendations that you would, or, or I don't know, perhaps at Christmas, you, you know, you'd take around to a friend and say, oh, you know, have a bottle of this. It's so lovely with, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think for me, Tawny Port, probably the most versatile and looking through what has worked before in terms of other fortified. I do tend, I've realised, 
just this morning, that I have a tendency to either go blue, where you've got a very contrasting match, you know, it's mm -hmm. sort of savoury, salty notes, and then a very sweet wine, or I'll try and go the other way and go for a very, very sweet cheese, like a Gouda style. Ah. Um, so definitely those kind of Gouda or Mimolette, where you have a lot of caramel notes and maybe yep. a tiny bit of bitterness, but they're generally sort of quite sweet and caramelly and toffeed. And those tend to be the ones that I'll put with, with other fortified wines. So with uh, Pedro Jimenez Sherries or with Van du Naturel uh, from France, I would probably go for either, either sweet or salty. Right, that's interesting. I mean, there's, and the, one of the classic pairings, is, is it Sauternes and Roquefort? That's the sort of... Sauternes and Roquefort, it, that, just wonderful. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can I see think... it in my mind's eye, actually. I'm just sort of looking at that beautiful, that beautiful colour and, you know, wow. Mm. It is a treat, and, and, isn't it? And, you know, from being from the same region as well, there's obviously a historical element to that, you know, that they would have been consumed together for, for hundreds of years. Um, so turn is, is made in a slightly different, is, is sweet in a, a slightly different way to fortified wines. So, so turn and Montbaziac, that style of wine, they're mm -hmm. infected with noble rot, which is a fungus which uh, is intentionally in encouraged on, on the grapes, which um, it sort of pierces the skin and encourages, um, well, it, it allows water to evaporate. And so that really concentrates not just the sugars, but also the acids in the grapes. Mm. So with a Sauternes, you tend to have a lot more acidity in the glass than you would with some of those fortified, where it's sort of out and out sugars. Oh. And so I think that does allow for a few more broad pairings. So for example, I would uh, perhaps serve a Sauternes with an Epoisse or a washed rind. Right. And that's something that I would really struggle to serve a fortified wine with just because the there's there's not enough kind of acidity and structure to that pairing whereas yeah. with a sauterne you have a you know a much more acidity and it's just mm -hmm. easier to pair with it with a washed rind that tends to be well in the case of an epoisse quite sort of fatty and meaty and custardy mm. almost yeah gosh it's like it's a fascinating world isn't it is it and do you think it is at christmas that people are thinking of, of pair you know people at home you know do people do start thinking Oh, I want to have a cheese board. It'd be lovely to have a nice wine with it because it's that lovely ritual at the end of a meal. It's a very, mm. you know, it's so it's very convivial, isn't it? And it's slow. It's sort of slow eating in a way, isn't it? Because you're sitting around a cheese board, you're you know enjoying a lovely wine or whatever it is you're drinking with it, a glass of something with it, I and think that's chatting. Absolutely, yeah. It. You can't rush a meal that ends in a sweet wine, and and this is why sweet, sweet and fortified are such good pairings you know can make such good pairings for cheeses because that's how you're progressing through a meal you know mm. your wines as you go through a meal get heavier and heavier but actually if you're ending on a very very tannic structured bordeaux style despite what people think that's actually not the best match for your cheese so if you've got enough time to move from those sort of very heavy main course wines to a sweet mm. then you're going to have a much easier time pairing it with your cheese. That's so interesting. Brilliant. Well, listen, Hero, thank you. And that was, um, I now know what I'm going to be doing for Christmas. So that's, <laughs> I much appreciate this. Obviously, why I got you on the show to ulterior motives. Um, so, yeah, brilliant. Well, lovely, lovely to talk to you. Thanks for taking the time. You're absolutely welcome. Thank you. Take care, Hero. Okay. Bye. Thank you. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. This morning on A Slice of Cheese, very happy to have with me Again, Sam Wilkin, who is a podcaster and cheese advocate. Good morning, Sam. Good morning, Jenny. Thank you for having me back on. 
Well, it's great because actually last time you were on the programme, that was What Goes With Cheese, where we were mm. talking about all the delicious things that work well with cheese. And this week, for this episode, we're looking at what to drink with cheese. So we're sort of really focusing on that. You know, um, I know this is a subject close to your heart, Sam. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, <laughs> tell me, yes. So tell me your thoughts. I mean, what's interesting is I think people often think wine, but I think wine and mm. cheese. That's, but you would also point out there are other drinks that go well with cheese, wouldn't you? Yes, I think you can take, I mean, wine and cheese is obviously, a, 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 you know, the standard classic and there's some amazing pairings out there. I think we draw a lot from the sort of French heritage, that, that you know, that rural heritage of, you know, local cheese and local wine going together. And that's been sort of, you know, increasingly rarefied over the generations, I suppose. And now it's the kind of, you know, the template for tasting, if you, if you like. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do strongly think that we have such a fantastic drinks tradition here in the UK. Wine is increasingly popular part of that but if you go back we're looking at things like cider and beer were made often Uh particularly in the case of cider alongside cheese you know so historically if you go to Somerset 200 years ago farmhouses were not just making the famous Somerset cheddar they were making cider in in the same building often Mm. so there is this shared narrative history and, and what's more important than that there's lots of pairings out there that are particularly delicious in my opinion yes i mean i it's you know i've been sort of discovering the world of cider and it's and cider in britain has had you know in the way rather than the way that cheese has there's been a real rise Mm. of artisan cider makers because it is a drink that has become a lot of production is very industrialized isn't it but there are this whole sort of craft movement making astonishing ciders aren't they Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a really exciting time. I mean, I think you could sort of look at the model of the British cheese industry and maybe I'd say maybe cider sort of arguably 10 years, not behind, but a different stage of its progression in terms of the public consciousness. I think, you know, still in the UK that the common conception of cider is that it sits alongside lager on the on the bar. You know, you have it, you have it by the pint. You probably have it with ice. You know, it's super sugary, very kind of carbonated and, and you know, a real sort of effectively an alco pop. And actually, yes. you know, the rules around cider making are you only have to have a very, you know, about 30 uh, percent actual apple juice in there to call it cider. You know, you wouldn't accept that from wine if they said, oh, here's a wine with 35 percent uh, grape juice and the rest of it's made up with water and caramel syrup and all the rest of it and flavorings you just go well I'm, I don't want that but we, we've kind of mm. I think we've been fed the lie a little bit with cider and actually there's producers out there who to be fair have been making cider for some time now I think what's changed in the last maybe seven eight years is the way that that cider is talked about and portrayed to the you know the industry so to restaurants and retail outlets but also to the public and i think Uh this new perception of cider is effectively a british wine it's it is wine wine is you know cider is made in the same way as wine it's juice that's pressed from from fruit it's fermented and bottled and all sorts of different you know weird and wonderful techniques to give you this truly you know incredibly diverse incredibly delicious drink that also pairs very well with cheese if you get it right well, I was going to say, so that's interesting. So obviously, because no. they're different cider styles and then are there different cheese styles that you feel go really beautifully together? In a sense, with wine and cheese, I always feel, if you think of them as two spectrums that sit one on top of the other, I always feel with wine, there's a big sort of overspill in the kind of big beefy reds that doesn't that are very, very hard to pair with cheese and often don't work very well. Uh, so there's this sort mm-hmm. of overlap where there's a sort of unrepresented element that doesn't pair. 
Whereas with cider, particularly with British cheese, which tends to be much more on the savoury side, tends to have a more kind of farmhouse element to it, they sit very neatly on top of one another. And of course, when I'm talking about cider, I'm also talking about perry. So perry is not to be ignored. It's it's pear cider, pear wine, as Tom Oliver would describe it. I love perry. I just think it's such a sort of elegant drink, actually. I just Mm. love it. I find it very, very delightful. So that is interesting. So so in that case, so what, so cheddar and cider? So you were saying there's a real harmony then between cider in Britain and cheese in Britain and they go you know we don't have to get too tense about it they're going to go together they just go well together and I think you've got your lighter fresher sort of acid forward perries with that beautiful perfume that is often present in those paired you know a pear based drink uh, pair mm-hmm. wonderfully well with goat's cheese which has that lighter fresher lemony note going on and then as we progress through to bigger more robust you know cloth bound cheddar with big earthy elements kind of pasture led lovely kind of milkiness coming through something traditionally Somerset with a bit of you know tannic structure a bit of kind of caramel sweetness natural caramel sweetness from the fruit coming through pairing with the cheese delicious and then right at the other end of the spectrum with those big you know salty blue cheeses you know there's amazing things out there called ice cider ice cider mm. is um as a wonderful producer actually in sweden called branland who make these beautiful ice ciders in the same way that ice wine is made uh, so the sugars are condensed which leads to a much higher abv so it's like a dessert wine and a real yeah. kind of syrupy sweet deliciousness Ooh. that pairs so well with blue cheese it's it's like nectar it's wonderful that's, okay that's been noted i'm gonna hunt that out so yeah Dude, my life has delicious. missed that but, um, yes <laughs> and yes and so and also then in fact if we're thinking again of, of classic british drinks you know beer mm. beer and cheese mm. and then you know this whole mm. idea of the you know the plowman's lunch that that idea that is a very successful idea if it's just a market yes. employee do you again do you think that's a again and again we've seen with beer this amazing you know rise of craft beer makers and you know, it's so mm. exciting so again do you see a lovely sort of harmony between that and the, and the british cheese world definitely i mean i think i think what's interesting one of my favorite breweries uh colonel who i think make very unpretentious very well-made delicious beer in London mm. uh, was set up by an ex uh, Niels Yard Dairy cheesemonger, Evan, who was in, in the States working for Niels Yard Dairy. There is that kind of natural crossover of fermentation, but there's also on a very simple, almost narrative level, bread and butter. You know, it's cereals and milk. It's that oh, it's nice. the marriage yes. that, that is kind of the cornerstone of, I guess, almost Northern European cuisine is bread and butter, is cereals and milk. Yep. And so yep. I think when you're talking you know, uh, cheese and beer, I think there's any number of of combinations out there. I think the big thing to remember when you're pairing cheese, honestly, with anything, are those those four elements that we talked about when I was last on, Um, you know, the idea of flavour, texture, um, location, and and then that sort of slightly more kind of abstract one, nostalgia, is Mm. that if you apply all of those kind of ideas to anything, it will work well. And, and it's also beer is not just a pint of Foster's at the pub. You know, beer is from a sort of, you know, wonderful kind of sour Gers style beer from the continent all the way through to a big booming, you know, Baltic porter or, a you know, something with real kind of big chocolatey uh, coffee mm. notes that pairs so well with blue cheese. And then in the middle, even your classic, you know, maybe even like a Timothy Taylor's landlord, that sort of real classic British brown ale that, that's, you know, lovely and malty with that beautiful hoppy bitterness. That's incredible with cheddar cheese. And I mean, in, in many ways, that that would, would vie in my affections with cider, with those kind of classic, savoury, earthy, pasture-led British hard cheeses. 
I'm now desperate for a drink. I'm going to have to head off to a pub after this. So, yes, I hope people listening to Sam. this sort of, you know, around six o'clock. That would be about right, wouldn't it? Well, that's really interesting. I think what's really exciting talking to you, Sam, is the sense of, you know, that within cheese, there's this craft movement. Within beer, there's a craft movement. Within cider, there's a craft mm. movement. So, so if people are interested, they really have got a chance to do a lot of really fun exploring. You know, I mean, my son took us off as a sort of birthday present to, on a tour around sort of the Bermondsey Arch, all the brewers where you could you could mm. just have I think it was like a sort of a sixth of a pint of different beers you know and try them or and or a third of mm. a pint and it was just so interesting to get you know one was really pineapple and then what, as I say the range of, st- of styles and flavours was really fun you know to taste that so this is what you're saying in a way to people you've got that, a chance to really have fun but I think that's the shift in the culture and I think that's that's really exciting because obviously that Bermondsey area is also you know inundated with with stag parties where it's all about quantity but actually there is a real <laughs> understanding I think increasingly of uh, you know uh, that you can try lots of different things and producers are encouraging that and retailers are encouraging this engagement with food and drink on a much more kind of uh, I hesitate to say refined I think more sort of conscious way people are consciously mm, yeah. tasting things and comparing and yeah. you know it can get incredibly nerdy but the real bottom line of it is it it should be fun food and drink is entertainment and entertainment should be varied and exciting and and that is what's out there people just have to have that sense of adventure and go and find it so do you find because sam you do a lot of work you know telling talking to people about pairing and matching mm. you know what goes with cheese and and you're giving sort of guidance and insights. Do you? Is it something that people get tense about? Do they? Do they feel oh, there's a right way and a wrong way, and I shouldn't? Is that something oh, you try and address? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think. Uh, I think sadly, the the idea of cheese and wine pairings is still viewed as uh, very elitist. Um, mm-hmm. Very, uh, you know, just not for me. It's not for me. I, I'd, I'd just embarrass myself. I'd say something silly. I. I, you know, we're very yeah. shy as a nation, I think, about expressing, I mean, emotion, uh, but expressing <laughs> what we think about food and drink, about how we actually yes. feel about it. And what, one of the things I always say at any tasting that I do is, you know, I'm very privileged. I, in my career, have been able to eat and drink lots of delicious things. So I've tried lots of things, but that doesn't mean I have the most nuanced perceptive palate in the room. There's probably somebody here who is picking up much more complexity. And if they don't speak up and describe what they're tasting, then we'll all miss out because there'll be someone Mm. else going, oh, what is that flavour? I don't know what it is. And someone will be sitting on the other side going, gosh, I can taste horseradish. Well, I won't say that because that sounds a bit silly. And so that other person is going to miss on that tasting note. So I think what I love about beer and cider is is it dispels the mysticism. It removes you know, I guess that perceived sense of elitism that can sometimes hover around the world of cheese and, you know, cheese and wine, I think in particular as a pairing, and perhaps that's mm-hmm. their way in. And suddenly, mm. you know, I'm hosting, you know, cheese and gin pairing sessions or, you know, cheese and whiskey. There's some incredible combinations there, particularly when you're heading into that sort of winter time, a sort of big warming whiskey with, with that, you know, perhaps an East Coast whiskey with more sort of floral sweet notes paired with mm-hmm. a, you know, I mean, even a Stilton, frankly, at Christmas time. Who wouldn't want a nice yes. Stilton? That's a wonderful pairing if you seek out those perhaps more East, less peat driven, less smoky yes. whiskey, something with stuff. a sweeter... That- yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Lovely. Really lovely. Oh, it's sounding good. I'm actually quite possible here. So it's all good. I'm making notes, obviously, as we talk, Sam. <laughs> I'll meet, I'll meet, I'll meet you also, in the pub, yeah. Johnny. So. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. <laughs> Mine's a pint and a whiskey now. So, um, yeah. yeah, and the cider <laughs> and the perry. So it's getting quite a lot. Absolutely. I mean... <laughs> 
I think it is, you know, it is that lovely thing that, you know, when you've had a sitting with friends and, and eating cheeses and then dr- drinking, is that fasc- it is quite fascinating when you get a chance to drink something, taste something mm. and, and see what the drink did to the flavour, you know, taste it again. It's sort of, that is really, it is really fascinating. Isn't it? And everyone does it because we can all do it. We've all got, we're all eating, we've all got palates, you know. I, I suppose just one more thing that I did want to mention is, is this yes. rise in the way that beer and, and cider are presented. So we associate the measures with, uh, you know, maybe a 330 mil can or a pint. Actually, you're mm-hmm. seeing more and more kind of bottle conditioned style beers and ciders served in 750 mil bottles. And so from off the back of that, what you're seeing is a kind of a real rise in bottle parties. So people oh. will come together, you know, beer lovers or cider lovers will come together and bring a 750 ml bottle of uh, a beer they think everyone should try. And they all, everybody gets to try a little bit of lots of different things rather mm. than just having your bottle of plonk you take along to a party. You take a really lovely, you know, 12 or 13 pounds on a 750 ml bottle of perry or cider or mm. beer or whatever. And what I really hope is that at the centre of those bottle parties is a really great cheese board. Because then you're just adding that extra element of enjoyment to the whole process. I'm going to have a party like that. Brilliant. Sam, that was great. Thank you so much. Always lovely to talk to you. Thanks, so Jenny. thanks for coming back on the slice of cheese. Take care then, Sam. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm a huge fan of Peter's Yard's crackers, and they always feature on my Christmas cheese board. All Peter's Yard's crackers are made in small batches using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter, slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch. Visit petersyard.com forward slash shop. Enter the code slice of cheese at the checkout to receive 25% off your first order. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peters Yard sourdough crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. Before we go on exploring the world of cheese, here's news of another Food FM programme that I think you'd really enjoy. Thank you, Jenny. Well, I'm David, the host of The Drinking Hour here on Food FM. Each week, we explore the wonderful world of wine, spirits, and beer, all things that make wonderful pairings with cheese, of course. We hear from those for whom making drinks is a passion. So after your cheese course, how about you join me for a few drinks? You can find The Drinking Hour with David Kermode on your usual podcast platform and at foodfmradio.com. Now it's back to Jenny and a slice of cheese. Very happy to have with me today Rachel McCormack, the food and drink writer and broadcaster. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning, Jenny. And Rachel, this week on A Slice of Cheese, we're looking at what to drink with cheese. And I wanted your insights into whiskey and cheese. And I must admit that I do like whiskey and I love cheese. And I've never really tried them together. So I think I'm obviously missing a trick. Tell me tell me a, a bit more. How, how does it work? What goes? Well, I think you really are missing a trick. I think... There's a tradition in the UK since the Napoleonic Wars of having Stilton and Port. And I've often wondered if that was really just to annoy Napoleon. And I think (laughs) if it was, I think we need to leave that to one side and look at things that are interesting 
and you to have with cheese. So I would say if you like a peated whiskey, especially the really heavily peated whiskies from Isla, and you like strong Stilton or a strong blue cheese, they are a fantastic combination. They're just they're just really it's you just get all the smoke kind of balances from the from the from the mould from the blue cheese and you just get this amazing taste. The thing to remember when you're trying whiskey and cheese is you almost want a kind of three you want like a three part tasting. So First of all, maybe you try some whiskey. So if you have, say, a Lagavulin whiskey from Isla, and then you have, you, you swallow that and you let that mm-hmm. sit on your palate. And then you have a slice of Stilton or another blue cheese that you really like. Mm-hmm. And you swallow that. And then what you do is you have, you put some more cheese in your mouth, a small bit of cheese in your mouth. And while you're getting the flavours from the cheese, if you drink the whiskey, you should get that combination and it should give you like a third flavour. And it ah, is a kind of quite different taste. And it does yeah. feel... If it works really well, you do feel like like your palate's singing. It's quite different. And again, I think the thing with cheese is there's such a range of cheese and you get such a range of flavours in whiskey that if you prefer cheddar cheddar cheese, you get like a really good cheddar. You might want something like a Tobermory, um, not something that isn't so strong. You want a Mm -hmm. Tobermory malt that isn't so heavy. You want something that if you like... um, like Gouda cheese, you can get something really soft from like a Glenmorangie. I think the thing is, is that it's not something people think about, but I think they would really enjoy it if they started. Yeah, that's, you know, that sounds like a wonderful... I mean, I love actually peaty. I like those really heavy peaty whiskies. So that's definitely mm-hmm. something I'm going to try. And a really good point about try the whisky, try the cheese, then try them together and just get, yes, have like those three different sort of experiences. It is interesting, isn't it? Because often when you're tasting, it is partly about actually sort of thinking about what you're tasting, you know, in order to experience it. You sort of have to concentrate a little bit don't you and think about what you're you're getting yeah i think the thing is though when you say concentrate people think oh no that's going to sound that's terrible but it's really really good fun you know i mean if you if you if you had friends round and you said to everybody okay bring some whiskey and bring some cheese and well what we'll do is we'll sit and we'll go through the cheese and we'll Mm. go through small amounts of the whiskey with the cheese and see what see what we like and what we don't and we'll concentrate every time we put some cheese and whiskey in our mouth it's amazing fun it's really really good fun you know just sitting chatting and kind of putting stuff in your mouth without thinking about it is yes. a nice way to spend an evening but also but concentrating for a few moments every time is is a much better evening it's much more fun yeah. and, also, but, and, and, and there's no right and wrong because you know it is very what you like is sort of what you like and so it's like you know so that's you know because people I think also get intimidated by the idea of that you, know, you shouldn't like this so this is the right you know this is the right thing to say the wrong thing to say and actually that's not really this is sort of much more as you said fun isn't it this is like an experiment well I think Again, I think that's one of the problems. I mean, I find that since I wrote my whiskey book, people say to me, you know, what's your favourite whiskey? As if knowing what my favourite whiskey is, is going to help you find your favourite whiskey or find or find the whiskey that you like. And it's, it's the same with cheese. I do think, you know, that there are obviously different within a category. Like if you really like, if you really like a cheddar cheese, there's a massive difference between really cheap cheddar cheese that you bought in the supermarket for £2.50 and really beautifully made cheddar cheese from cheddar or from the Isle of Mull or somewhere that's got really good quality cheddar but I think within those categories I think you have to find you have to find what you like I always kind of compare it almost as a joke to me coming up to you and saying you know 
I was think it's time now, Denny. I want a husband, and you say we'll have mine. But I might not like <laughs> yours. He might he, he might not yes. suit me. You you yeah. wouldn't say to me, well, just get one like mine because he suits me. You'd go, well, what yeah. is it that you like? What is it that you're looking for in a husband? Yes. And you know, and what? And you could say, well, you know, he can't like heavy metal music. Whereas you might <laughs> find someone else says, do you want a husband? And I'm a heavy metal freak. I need one that that likes heavy metal as much as I do. And I, th- I think. I, I do wonder, I think we, we've got that in Britain, we, we don't trust our own personal taste. Mm. And I always, you know, because I have this, especially with whiskey, is peated whiskeys from Isla are kind of a thing because generally in tastings, they always come at the end because of the strongest whiskies. People think they are the best. And oh. some people absolutely adore them and some people absolutely hate them. And it's that's just personal preference. Yeah, and I always think it's the, you know it's the same with different types of cheese. If you don't like them, just don't eat them. Yeah, exactly. It, it's it's the same. Yes. It's it's like that with partners. If you don't want, if you really, really, really hate football and don't want a partner that's obsessed with football, don't go out with somebody that's obsessed with football. <laughs> Very true. And. I was thinking, you know, that point about the range and diversity of cheeses. And of course, in whiskey, you know, again, so many styles. And so is that something that you enjoy, Rich, when you try? Are you a cheese? Do you enjoy eating cheese yourself? And then therefore, is it sort of fun when you try cheese? Do you think, oh, I wonder if this would be, you know, because there's such a sort of in, even in textures, you know, and flavours with cheese. Do you sort of think, oh, I wonder if this would be a dream combination with a type of whiskey? Well, to be honest, a lot of the time I do it when I'm working. What I really enjoy when I'm not working is eating cheese, thinking I don't have to think about this, whether which whiskey <laughs> this goes with. I can Fair just enough. enjoy yeah. this cheese. And I'm sometimes yeah. like that with whiskey because I do quite a lot of whiskey and chocolate pairings. I now yeah. drink whiskey going, I don't have to think of a chocolate for this. This is fantastic. <laughs> but I, yeah, you really, yes, I can see that pressure must be a bit boring yes slightly relentless yes but there is that thing you do I mean you you you, sometimes you taste a whiskey and you think this this you know I really want a really good burrata with this this Mm. would be amazing with a really good burrata and then other times you're tasting a burrata and you think I know I want a burlour with this I want I you know I know what this would go with Mm. Um, I think the thing is, is, is it's more a case of because there are no written rules, you know, because nobody's in, in the way that people have kind of written the book on what cheese goes with what wine much yeah. more. Yes. I mean, they haven't quite written the book, but you know, there is that thing of it's port, it's this, it's that. Sure. Yeah, it's quite codified. With, yeah. with whiskey, it's totally uncodified. So I just always think just go and do it and enjoy yourself and find out for yourself. Because because nothing's codified, you never feel you're doing it wrong. You just have to concentrate on what is what the tastes are in your mouth and what you like you know Another i mean broad principles Rachel. i was just thinking in terms of you know you talked about uh those heated whiskey those heavily peated whiskies being the you would taste them last because it's such a strong dominant flavor so would that be something if i was thinking okay I, you know i want to i've got a lovely paroche it's this beautiful delicate gates cheese i'd like to try it with whiskey but would i be thinking oh, i'll try it with a really light delicate whiskey because they would there would there'd be a sort of harmony between you know the lightness of the whiskey and the lightness I of the cheese i think though with goat's cheese relatively speaking goat's cheese is always you still got that taste of goat which is relatively heavy so i would oh, say yeah. you would be looking for something more in the middle you'd right. be maybe looking for something more like highland park or you'd be looking for i wouldn't even have said you'd be looking for like a real soft space side you'd be looking for a kind of highland park or a bassy whiskey something with a little bit of kick in it but not a uh-huh. lot okay that's interesting um, yeah so you're right so it's quite complex in that sense so so even something that seems that you might just think oh that's this type of cheese but actually there might be an acidity level or something that would make it pair better with another whiskey yes but again i think you can have fun finding out for me for me it's much more you know us having a discussion about what would go and what wouldn't go can 
you know, people listening might think, oh, I'm not going to try that. Go, but try it. What happens if you turn around and go, actually, what I really enjoy <laughs> is, is she's told me this doesn't work, but my favourite thing in the whole world is my Laphroaig with a camembert. I'd be like, I didn't oh. think that would ever go. But you, <laughs> yep. if you if it's what you like, and yes. it's it's what you like because in the end I think people it's like they, they, they think there's a code they think there's a right way to do it and they want to do the right way rather than having fun and I understand you know, if it's your job if if it's you know if you're writing a book about it if you're if you're judging a competition of who which sommelier can do the best pairing that's a totally different story but it's yeah. not most people's job I think people like you and me Jenny can kind of tend to forget that if it's not people's job really they're doing it just for the sheer fun. pleasure of it <laughs> yes very good point and actually of course you know this this sort of this winter season of a slice of cheese is is thinking about sort of Christmas and celebrations and actually and I love you know I would always get in whiskey for for Christmas for us to enjoy over the holidays mm-hmm. and it's just a sort of lovely thing to do isn't it then get in so I suppose in a way what I would need is a few whiskies with different styles and then get in some different cheeses and then have really yeah and get some friends around and just sort of try and do a bit of mix and match and see what what happened I mean it's a really exactly it's it's a really really good thing to do I think the fact that you know we can have people around this this Christmas is a cause for celebration mm. um, even if it's not too many of them or if yeah. you're if you're only allowed a certain number you can have them around and they have to basically stay for four days and by day four <laughs> you need something for them to do then you can turn around and say today's cheese and whiskey day yes that sounds like a very yeah that definitely should be part of the, of the Christmas calendar so um and, that, and it is yeah that's sounding really lovely is it a combination when did you start thinking about whiskey and cheese ratio is it something you came across by chance because of your your interest in whiskey I think it was to do with after after dinner because this you know because as, as you know what I mostly know about in terms of food is Spanish food and the Spanish never have cheese after dinner. They, mm. If they ever have cheese after dinner, they only have a very, very light cheese called mató, which is almost like a ricotta. It's in the same. So they have mm. either mató or queso de burgos, which is, it's not not ricotta, but it's in that ballpark of cheeses. And mm. so coming back here and, and, and that kind of having cheese and red wine. And then one day I thought, well, why don't we just have cheese and whiskey and see what that's like? It might even have been... I might even have been on Mull and some, and I'd bought some Tobermory, I'd bought some Isle of Mull cheddar mm. and I'd found out that on the Tobermory distillery, because they batch distill because it's a malt whiskey distillery, they left, when they've made the spirit, they're left with the dry stuff at the bottom, which is called draft, which they feed to, to which they use as a cattle feed. And oh. so the Isle of Mull cheddar, the ah, cows that make the milk yes. from the Isle of Mull cheddar, the the draft comes from the Isle of Mull distillery, so I just thought I'm going to try some whiskey with the, with the cheddar yeah. because it's you know the same it's the cows eating the leftovers from the distillery yeah. making the milk for the cheese, and I just thought this is really nice. This is a really nice combination. Why haven't why ha- why haven't people done this before? Brilliant. And I also I also kind of wanted when I was writing my book chasing the drama, I wanted to have more of food and and whiskey combinations because I just thought it's something that people should be doing more of and whiskey and cheese is quite an obvious thing because it's your after dinner it's your yes. after dinner sort of yeah. course yeah no you've definitely inspired me i'm going to ritual i'm i'm on and i will report back good so, this was, so that's you know, that was one good. more yeah one more of us and one less of them exactly oh rachel it's been really lovely thank you so much for coming on the show so great to talk to you it was a pleasure to be here to find out more about food fm and our content go to foodfmradio.com Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard Sourdough Crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com 
and specialist food retailers. Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you've found this podcast. It will make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.